Hey, Westside family. My name is Matt, and I am the co-leader for the Young and Free group. Thank you for joining us for today's message. We hope that you are blessed by the word of God through the speaking of our pastors and leaders. And we pray that this leads you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love you and enjoy. So last week we started talking about words against us. I didn't really finish last week. I just let you go. So I want to finish it this week. I'm going to do a recap for those of you that wasn't here, and if anybody doesn't quite remember some of the details. Today, I'm not going to jump into Scripture as much as I jumped into Scripture last week, because this is just a continuance of last week. But I would encourage you uh, to go back and listen to the podcast or view the stream on YouTube or Facebook and get the spiritual or the scriptural context of of what I'm talking about. I never like to talk about anything without scriptural context. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a biblical preacher and teacher. So I never like to share anything outside of a biblical context. My opinion to you just doesn't matter. Can I get it right on? But the biblical basis of everything is what matters to our, our walk with God. So I say that to simply say, if you want a deeper biblical context of what we're going to be talking about today, you have to go to last week's message, and you have to remind your, listen to it and remind yourself. But I am going to do a little bit of a recap. So we talked about two people last week. We talked about Gideon, and we talked about the sinful woman that the religious leaders brought before Jesus because of her sin. And the whole premise of last week's message was words against us, and how Words against us, definitely the root of it comes from Satan, but Satan can use people, can use our past, can directly hit us with thoughts and ideas that establish words against us. And when we looked at Gideon's life, we basically saw how Gideon was given a word from some source. We don't know the source, but he was given a word that he comes from a clan or tribe that is the weakest tribe of the 12 and that he was the weakest in his tribe. And even though God was saying to Gideon, hey, I've called you to be a deliverer. You're going to be a judge. You're going to save people from these different groups of people. At first, he didn't receive it. He didn't believe it. God had to do like a supernatural act in order for Gideon to even receive it. And the reason he didn't receive it was because of the words against him that were established. And we talked about how oftentimes we are controlled, manipulated, deceived, we're directed by other people's words to us, which technically are against us, as opposed to God's word to us and God's word for us. And how that completely just hinders what God has for our life, the blessings of God, the power of God, the love of God, the peace, the joy, the fruits of the Spirit in our life. So oftentimes we don't receive the fullness or the totality of simply because there are these words against us. And it's not God's word against us. It's the the enemy's words against us, but yet the enemy has spoken so many times through people through personal opinion, through maybe what you see in the mirror. Have you ever felt good about yourself or felt good about something you was about to do until you looked in the mirror? And then when you looked into the mirror, 
you had these opinions, you had these thoughts, you had these ideas, you had these past experiences, you had these words, you had these, these uh, uh, experiences that you've experienced, all of a sudden kind of like pop your balloon. Just kind of deflate your heart, deflate your mind, deflate maybe purpose, deflate maybe vision, deflate maybe what the Holy Spirit was saying to you. And it was words against you. And then we talked about the sinful woman, and it wasn't so much that she felt like she was the weakest of a clan like Gideon, but yet the words against her was her past action. So the religious leaders brought this sinful woman to Jesus, basically threw her down, and they were like, hey, what would you do to this woman? And the Bible says that Jesus bent down. He wrote in the sand. We don't know what he wrote in the sand. There's a lot of, you know, theories on that, but we don't know, so we're not even going to try to figure that one out. The Bible doesn't say. But he rose up and he said to them, you without sin, why don't you cast the first stone, first stone excuse me, because the idea this woman's sin was so bad that she was to be stoned according to religious law. And they wanted to know what Jesus was going to do. Was he going to obey the law or disobey the law? Was he going to be religious or was he going to be who he said he was? A God of grace, mercy, forgiveness, and redemption. And he stood his ground and he didn't really approach the woman. But he dealt with the people who was holding the woman captive by her past choices. And sometimes there's people in our life, they hold us captive by our past choices. They want to stone us because of our past. They want to hold us down because of our past. They want to keep us under control because of our past. They want us to be belittled because of our past. They want us to look up to them because of our past was different than their past. And Jesus just kind of, he, he, he went right to the quick. And he said, any of you without sin, then you throw the first stone. And the Bible says that one by one they begin to walk away, starting with the highest up in the religious, uh, the religious hierarchy. And when they all had left, Jesus looked at this woman and he says, well, the Bible says actually he rose up after riding in the sand. And he looked at her and he said, Woman, is there any here to condemn you? And she said, No. And he made this amazing statement. He says, Neither do I. Go. Leave your life of sin. What he, in essence, was saying is there's no one here to hold your past against you. Neither do I. Neither do I. So since Jesus doesn't hold our past against us, and his words is the words of life, his words is the words of truth, his words makes the difference, he is the word, the Bible says, that has become flesh. Since he does not hold our past against us, out of the heart the mouth speaks, he has no words to hold our past against us. So if we are experiencing an issue to where our past is being held against us, is it coming from Jesus? No. 
That should be a quick answer, right? Sometimes there's a delay because we don't truly receive the truth, or nor do we truly believe the truth. So, so when, when I ask, ask you a question like that, like, like uh, Joe, if I said, is Charlotte your wife? There would be an immediate no doubt about it, right? Because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. But if I was to ask you, Joe, is Charlotte your wife? And you was to like, ponder. Charlotte, there would, be a, there would be a little bit of an issue, would there not? There would, be, there would be red flags of questioning. There would be red flags of doubt. There would be red flags of there is some dysfunction going on in this relationship, correct? So when I ask you a question like that, there should be an immediate yes or no. But yet, if there is a delay in your response, for me, there is a red flag to maybe you don't hear it, you don't receive it, or you don't believe it. Jesus does not hold your past against you. So if I was to be face-to-face to you and I say, do you know, do you believe that Jesus does not hold your past against you just like he did not hold the past of that woman against her? If there is a pondering in your heart and a pondering in your mind, you haven't truly caught the revelation and the reality, nor do you know the full, the full to- totality excuse me, of God's grace and God's mercy for your life. Because if you knew the totality of God's grace and God's mercy for your life and what Jesus exactly did on the cross, you would be able to answer immediately, yes! I know that Jesus doesn't hold my past against me because whomever the Son sets free is free indeed and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So oftentimes we walk around with the effect of words against us and that is a segue into where I'm going today. What is the effect? So two things we're going to touch on today. What is the effect of words against us? And what do we do with words against us? So let's hit number one, the effect. The effect is condemnation. We can feel condemned. We can believe we are condemned. Maybe because of sin in our life. Maybe because we don't think or feel we measure up to a certain status. Maybe because we're not able to do something that somebody else does in the faith. Or maybe we don't look a certain way. Maybe we don't act a certain way. Maybe we don't know the Bible like somebody else knows the Bible. Maybe maybe we don't come to church as much as somebody else comes to church. Maybe we haven't gotten control of a certain aspect of our flesh like somebody else has. Maybe we're not as strong like other people seem. And please capitalize that. I'm supposed to have another. Oh, never mind. My bad. You changed them up. My bad. My bad. 
seen. Seen. Sometimes we are condemned. Hmm. I ain't going to get on a social media tangent, but I am going to say it. We can feel condemned for our own lives because of somebody else's post on their social media platforms. Now, those of you who are into social media, you know what I'm talking about. So there's these posts that people put like everything's great. Everything's wonderful. They got the best marriage. They got the most popular and successful kids. Everything's great on their job. Everything is awesome. And what we have is we have a spider web of, of, of things that seem a certain way. And we can look at other people's lives and we can be condemned because of the reality of our life. Because the reality of our life maybe is we're like Gideon. We are weaker than others. Or the reality of our life could be that we have this past sin that is haunting us. And when we look at all these images that people place on social media, what we're in all reality seeing 90% of the time is people putting their best foot forward. They don't put on there that they just had a cussing match with their spouse five minutes before they posted that, 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 that beautiful perfect picture that they're posting. You know I'm telling the stinking truth. When they're all looking and smiling together, you don't see that they're flirting around at work with somebody else. When they're driving that fancy car and they're wearing that $2,000 purse or that $150 pair of jeans, you don't see that they're $20,000 in debt. And it's not good debt. So oftentimes we look at what seems great and the seemingly great causes us to feel so stinking condemned that we feel lesser than. As if we don't measure up or we don't meet the mark or we're not as good. Condemnation. And the devil uses that as words against us. And those words against us steal joy. They still peace. They still contentment. They still fulfillment. They still the reality of what God has really blessed us with. I'm going to say that again because that's important to know and to remember. Oftentimes, what seems good and what seems great, according to somebody else's life, steals the reality or causes us to forget the reality of how God has really blessed us. Because we're not living in the knowledge of what God has done for us. We oftentimes live in the knowledge of what somebody else is or are and what we are not. And it steals joy, and it steals peace, and it steals contentment, and it steals fulfillment, and it steals the promises of God from our life. And it's words against us that leads to absolute condemnation. But when can we get to the point that we just live for us and God, that we don't care about what somebody else has, what somebody else does, the images that somebody else portray, because we know for as me in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm blessed by the Lord, and I'm favored by the Lord, and I'm loved by the Lord, and I'm provided for by the Lord. It doesn't matter what somebody else does or doesn't have. Amen? Amen? 
So condemnation, imprisoned by other people's walls of opinion to a life of pleasing them and the world we live in. I'm just going to move on. Another, is, another effect is not pursuing God. Look at both people that we talked about. We can actually pull a lot of other people from Scripture, but we're not. But look at both people, Gideon and the sinful woman. Or let's just say the woman. I hate putting that label over her because she was redeemed by Jesus Christ. Amen? So the woman, we don't know her name, but the woman in Gideon was not pursuing God. Gideon was hiding out in the vats so that he wouldn't get caught and maybe get beat up or captured or imprisoned or possibly die. The woman, we just don't know what, what, you know, where or what she was. She was gathered by religious leaders. They knew where she was. I wonder why they knew where she was. Hmm. Was she their playground? Well, that's another message, ain't it? All we know is she nor Gideon was pursuing God. And that is the effect of words against us so oftentimes. When we, when we allow the words against us to condemn us, to control us, to come against us, it doesn't lead to us pursuing God. It leads us to running away from God. And, and, and for the most part, I think, you, you know, been here for several years now, you, you know I am not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I am not going to use the platform to condemn you to hell. I don't send nobody to hell. Now, I know what the Bible says about right or wrong, and I would be the first to say certain actions the Bible says is wrong. And the Bible says that these actions... Uh, will cause us not to inherit the kingdom of God, or as the word says, will lead us to death. But I am not a person that is going to condemn anybody to hell. I'll never send nobody to hell. The Bible also says, judge not. And who's the great judge? God, not me. Because, see, I don't know somebody's heart. I don't know what's going on in their mind in the, in, in the deep midnight hours of the night when they're alone with God. So I'm saying that to say this, I'm not a hair fire and brimstone preacher. And there, I, I, I was to a degree, not from my dad, but just from other people I knew of, I was raised to a degree, or, or I was raised seeing that, I was witness, witnessed that. And what I experienced when it comes to hell, fire, and brimstone preaching is that you might scare the hell out of somebody, but you're not going to scare somebody to God. I'm not cursing. I literally mean that. Like, I, I, I don't want to preach you. I don't want to scare you in my preaching. I want to lead you into a closer, deeper relationship and walk with God. So why should I get up here and allow the enemy to use me to preach words against you? I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to tell you you're a bad person. Just like Jesus told his religious people, hey, if you haven't sinned, then you go cast that first stone. I am a man with sinful hands. 
Not that I don't have self-control, and not that I haven't exercised obtaining a certain standard in my life as the Bible requires as a teacher of the faith. I have, but I also remember and know my past. And I also know my weaknesses. And I also realize every single day of my life, I get up and I have to say no. I have to say no to Satan and I have to say yes to God. Seven days a week, 365 days a week. And because of that reality in my life, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have no reason to condemn. I'm getting on a rabbit trail, I know, and I'm sorry for that. What I'm trying to say to you is so oftentimes... Those kind of words will never lead people into an intimate pursuit of God because the enemy will take those words and use it against us. Are you breathing this morning? And that is one of the effects when we have words against us is they don't lead us to God, they lead us away from God. The words that was used to control Gideon did not lead him to God. Was he chasing God? No, he was hiding out. That woman, was she chasing Jesus? No, the religious leaders brought her to Jesus and just thank God Jesus was there and Jesus redeemed her. Now another effect is not fulfilling our purpose. So the effect of words against us Number one is condemnation. Condemnation steals joy, steals peace, steals happiness, steals all the fruits of the Spirit. Number two, words against us leads us away from God. They don't lead us to God. Number three, they cause us not to be in pursuit of our purpose. They cause us to run away from our purpose or not to even know our purpose. Words against us. So when you, when you see the effect of this, the effect of condemnation, the effect of, of not pursuing God, the effect of us not being in a position of purpose, in other words, in a position that God can use us to be a light in the world, don't we see how the enemy tries so hard and uses so much words against us to control us, to manipulate us, to beat us down, to keep us from doing what God has called us to do? Because he knows if he can condemn us, he can steal the peace of God from us. He knows if, if he can get a word against us, he'll keep us from pursuing God. And he knows if we will believe a word against us, then we will not pursue the purpose that God has for us. Does that make sense? So now let's look at what do we do about it. Look, number one is we recognize what is happening. So when you have a word against you, it's imperative. Can you say imperative? That you immediately know what is happening. And in, to know, in order to know what is happening, there's a couple of things that is required of us. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So if someone is speaking a word against you, 
You need to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit to believe the truth because what is the Holy Spirit going to deliver to you and me? The truth. And the truth will set you free. So if someone is lying about you, if someone is holding you captive by your past, if someone is telling you you're never going to be anything, you're not going to get that raise, you're not going to get that bonus, you're not going to have a successful business, you're not going to be healthy, you're not going to lose weight, you're not going to save money, whatever the case might be, if you are getting these negative bombardments of words against you, you got to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know what God is wanting to say to you through His Spirit, because how, do God, how does God communicate with us? Through His Spirit based off the Word of God. So when someone says you're dumb, you got to know that the Spirit says, no, you are smart and wonderfully made. If someone says to you or you get a thought that you're bound by a generational curse, you got to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that says, no, whomever the Son sets free is free indeed. And this sin in my life has been broken and the sin of my forefathers has been broken. If somebody says your family has been poor, you're going to be poor, and the generations of you is going to be poor, you got to know that the Holy Spirit reminds you that the name and the identity of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means he is our provider, and you serve a God, and you have a father that has a thousand cattle on a thousand hill, and he says whatever is his is yours because you're a faithful son or daughter. Amen? When you get the thought, the idea that you're unhealthy and you're sick and you're going to be sick and you'll never be well, you got to be reminded by the Holy Spirit that in Isaiah the prophet, the prophet prophesied that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you are healed. You are healed now and you are healed then. You got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because if you're not, you're going to be controlled and manipulated and deceived and you're going to be brought down and belittled and you're going to be held captive by words against you. You ain't falling asleep, are you? Thank you. Another thing, what do we do in the category of recognizing what's happening? Be knowledgeable of people's actions. So we've talked about this before. We all have patterns in life. We all have patterns. The enemy works in patterns. Sin functions in patterns. God even blesses in patterns when you really begin to study it and look at it. That's why Ecclesiastes 3 uh, he says there's a season for all things under the sun. What is a season? A season is a pattern, right? We have four seasons. Well, we really don't have four seasons, but other places in the nation has four seasons. Those four seasons come and go every single year. It's a pattern of seasons. So you can begin to expect you're going to get a response or a certain type of interaction from certain people based off their pattern in your life. There's going to be some people, no matter how positive you are, they are just going to be a negative Nancy. 
don't be a negative Nancy. If you're a Nancy here, you're, you're, that's all cool. Yeah, I don't mean you're a negative Nancy. Just, run, it just The two ends go together. So. so how do you deal with words against you? Is be knowledgeable of people's patterns. Expect them. Like Jesus was very knowledgeable of Peter's patterns. He always spoke out of turn. He spoke out of emotion. He didn't speak out of wisdom. And so when he rose up against Jesus and was like, hey, you ain't going to die, Jesus immediately went to, the, went to the root and went to the source. Satan, get behind me. Because Jesus recognized two things. He recognized the work of the Satan because he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But he also recognized the work of Peter because Peter had certain patterns. And there are some people in your life, they're going to have a pattern of words against you. Tell you how bad you are. Tell you how ugly you, you, they think you are. Tell you how weak you are. Tell you that you're your father's son or you're your mama's daughter. Or you're problematic just like your granddad was. Or you're a pain in the butt just like your uncle or your brother was. All these negative verbiages, all these nouns that is not positive, that is not encouraging, all these fake descriptions, adjectives against you. But if you know the person, if you know they're negative, if you know they're pessimistic, if you know they're jealous, if you know they've never got anywhere and they won't ever expect you to get anywhere, and it's going to come out in their conversation with you, then you can prepare for that. And you can know you're about to enter into some words against you. And you can prepare your heart and you can prepare your mind for that. Now, what do we do with that? The next thing is we cast it down with truth and faith. Judges 6.12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So before, I find this very interesting, before the mission was laid out in front of Gideon, the identity was given to him. Before the mission, before the mandate, before the purpose before this amazing feat that Gideon was going to be a part of, God gave him his identity. His identity was a mighty warrior. God always starts with your identity before he sends you into anything. Like, you got to know who you are. And you're not good. You won't do anything great if you don't know who you are. You will miss out on so many blessings of God if you don't know who you are. You will give up on dreams, and you will give up on hopes, and you will give up on opportunities if you don't know who you are. And you will open yourself up to lies, and you will open yourself up to abuse if you don't know who you are. I've worked with a number, a number of trafficking victims. 
I worked with a number of victims that has been abused sexually. And along the way, somehow or another, they lost their identity because of somebody else's identity placed upon them. But as soon as they realize and they recognize their identity given to them by God from the Creator, they was able to rise up against any words against them and really be what God had called them to be in spite of the entrapment and the pain that they went through in their past. Identity is so important. It opens the door to the glory and to the wonders and to the favor and to the power and to the opportunities that God has for us. But you and I, we got to know who we are in Christ. A mighty warrior. So if you know who you are, what do we do? You know the truth. We cast it down with truth. And we believe it. I'm not dumb. And I believe it. I have as just as much potential to be strong and healthy and successful as the next person next person. And guess what? I believe it. Now, I don't believe like I can sing like the next great American Idol. And I don't believe I got the, the looks of a model on GQ magazine. I definitely don't got the body. But those are some exceptions to the rule. I just don't fit the mode of what maybe a certain type of commerce is looking for. But it doesn't mean I can't be who God's created me to be. Like, I, I believe with all my heart I can be healthy, I can be strong, I can be successful. I can be prosperous, I can be kind, I can be loving, I can be used by God, I can be everything that the good Lord puts in my heart in spite of what I see in the mirror. Because what I see in the mirror, if I can be very transparent with you, what I see in the mirror is opposite of what I believe about myself. What I see in the mirror is words against me. But what I believe in me is the words that God has given me. Same thing. Are you going to believe what you see in the mirror? Are you going to believe the truth that has come to you? The word of God that has been held over you. The blessings of the Lord that is for you. What are you going to believe? Because what you believe changes everything. It dictates choices, faith, trust, purpose, intimacy with God. 
I just got through, Emmy, you guys can go ahead and come. I'm, I'm going to just kind of just share something. I, I watched a documentary the other day, it, 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 and it, it really blessed me, even though I had no, no biblical or, or, or Christian thing to it whatsoever. So it was a documentary about Paul Newman's life. You guys know who Paul, you guys know who Paul Newman is, right? You know, the face on the salad dressing. Very popular actor in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Well, 48 years old, he got into race car racing. And he wasn't accepted at first. And it started, I think, with a, with, with, with a, a movie role. He, 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 he had a movie role that required for him to learn how to drive a little, uh, you know, better than he drove anyway. And it got him in, into racing. And from 48 to like uh, somewhere in his 80s, he became a professional renowned championship winning race car driver. And it blew my mind because here this man was 48 years old. But he didn't believe what the naysayers said against him. He believed what was in his heart. And he made it happen. Don't allow words against you to keep you from pursuing God and to keep you from fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Recognize the patterns of people. And then the last thing I want to say is don't let nothing stop you. Don't let nothing stop you. And I hope you can see that this is applicable to any aspect of your life. Any aspect in your life, this is applicable. Of not allowing words against you to keep you from pursuing God and to keep you from feeling the purpose that God puts in your heart. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask that this truth just be real, just be, just be steadfast in our hearts and steadfast in our minds. That whatever you put in our heart, nothing, I mean absolutely nothing, stops it. That we are so sensitive to the Holy Spirit when we are reminded by the words of God people by the words of the enemy that by, the, by our own words and our own thoughts that oppose everything you put in our heart let us be reminded of what you say about us and let us believe what you have placed within us let us believe in your power let us believe in your truth let us believe in your authority just let us believe let us believe let us believe so that we can have more peace, so that we can have more joy, so we can experience more love, so we can experience more power, so that we can just be exactly what you have destined us to be without prevention, without hindrance, and with the strength to overcome the resistance, because there's always going to be resistance. May your word be a light unto our path. 
a lamp unto our feet so that we don't hold back so that we don't stop so that we continue on as mighty warriors like Gideon so we continue on as the redeemed like the woman who was once sinful but who was saved by your grace and your mercy give us the power to push forward and to continue on in spite of what we see in the mirror but because of the words of truth that you deposit into our hearts from your word and from your spirit may we believe you and not others may we follow you and not others may we be influenced by you and not others may we be image bearers of your light carriers of your power and may we be givers of your love in the name of Jesus Christ amen thank you so much for joining us we hope God spoke to you personally and continues to encourage you throughout the day and the coming week we'll see you next time